No, they know you never talk about your money. Right, so at Liverpool in the 80s, you would no idea. No, no. Well, we, the only idea was that Kenny was on far more than he was. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball. And they're off. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. All right, you're very welcome along to this week's edition of Friday Night Racing. If you want to get in touch with us, you can text the show this evening, 53106, or you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream and we'll pick it up, youtube.com forward slash off the ball. Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie or you can follow their Twitter account at HRI Racing and their hashtag is every racing moment as ever. Johnny Ward is here with us, but also with this week this week in studio is Michael O'Callaghan. Michael, you're very welcome. Thanks, sir. We're just saying how weird it is for Sony in studio. So, yeah, great. It makes a big difference. Yeah, it's just the, hopefully this is the end of COVID era. Officially, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were just working out the last time you were here was 2019. Yeah, a while ago now. Yeah. A lot of water has passed under the bridge since then. Um, but in the horse racing game and outside of it. And um, yeah, it's great to be back and great to be still have the head above water three years later. You, well, didn't, you didn't put the blink on me that much. No, no, there you go. Um, and you have a good reason to be up in Dublin today, you were telling us. Yeah, getting fitted for the tails for Royal Ascot in 10 days' time. So, um, yeah, all part of the pageantry of Royal Ascot. But, um, Do you enjoy that bit of it? Is there like a little bit of, like, I mean, it's all it's all a bit of nonsense, but it's also good, cool nonsense. Yeah, it's a bit of crack. I remember the first time I ever went and uh, I tried on the top and tails and I looked at myself in the mirror and said, you look like some pleb. Um, when, you, when you get there and everybody else is dressing the same and you have a bit of crack and you're slagging each other and then you forget it's there and... Um, yeah, sure. Look, it's a bit of crack, and it's all part of the pageantry of it, and it's why some people are in racing to make it to that stage. And um, yeah, so it's great. And so the reason you're going is because you're a good winner during the week. Yeah, yeah. We actually have we're assembling quite a decent sized team for Ascot. Um, the the great white hope really is Twilight Jet in the Commonwealth Cup, um, and then Crypto Force that won during the week at the Curra. He'll run in the Chesham on the Saturday, and. Um, he has a more he has a quite an important date as well on the Monday leading up to it because Goff's organised the London sale in Kensington Palace and it's basically for horses with entries that week. Okay. Um, and horses that kind of catch the imagination and people that maybe want to try and buy a, a horse with a chance at Royal Ascot and uh, obviously it puts a it puts a, a rarity value on them too. So it's quite a nice place to be offering horses and. Um, we're we're predominantly in you know we're commercially operating and we buy these horses to to sell them again and um, he couldn't have won at a better time so he'll go to Kensington Palace Monday night to, to be sold the horses don't actually physically go but what are you hoping for a lot of money yeah his uh, his his price went up from fall to yearling to um when did you buy him I bought him about six weeks ago. You only bought him six weeks ago. Yeah, at the, oh, breeze, wow. at the breeze ups. Yeah. So he bought. Was one hundred and sixty grand. Yeah, one hundred and sixty thousand yeah. at the Guinea sale in Newmarket at the breeze up sale. And um, what, was the, what was the gamble in that? Paying that amount of money even at a breeze up. Um, it's, it's risk and reward, really. Um, you're 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 paying that sort of money because he's done everything right on the day. Uh, quite a lot of other people recognise that. He is very good physically. He's matured from a yearling to two. And to be fair to the horse, everybody that's owned him up until now has he's been lucky for them. The people that pin hooked him mm. from fall to yearling got a touch, and Roger O'Callaghan, Tally Hostad, who pin hooked him from yearling to two year old, got a touch. 
and uh, hopefully he'll, he'll leave us a touch too but you know that's not that's not the be all and end all at the end of the day we want a nice horse and um, thankfully we found one he breathed well he's a good pedigree he's by time test out of a Galileo mare and um, you know he went to the sale he vetted well and uh he breathed very well and he caught a lot of people's imagination and you might say what's the risk with regard to paying that sort of money obviously it's it's <clears throat> it's quite a, quite an investment but um again it's risk and reward you're you're, you're you've a lot of boxes ticked mm-hmm. um you know that he has ability he passes the vet uh does everything right and you know you try and I've kind of cut out a niche of buying breezer horses and trying to, you know, a lot of the time we've been able to land on the right ones, and uh, that gives you a bit more, a bit more confidence in your judgment. And um, when you're paying that sort of money, you probably get, you probably have a better chance of, of, of hitting the nail on the head. So, thankfully, it's we've got we've got it right this time so far, and um, I think he's a life chance in the Chesham. Mm. Um, he ran very well the last day at the Curra. Uh, Aidens was very highly regarded and um, he was unlucky in running Aidens horse but our horse done it very well he was a bit slow away he was he was quite far back in the slowly run race and um, for him to quicken the way he did when the horses in front of him were quickening and nice horses and it's a current maiden at the end of the day and they were they were quickening in front of him and he picked him up quite well and quickened away and he's won by nearly three lengths and I would have just people are all on about Aiden's horse but I would have liked to see my horse get into a battle with him mm. um, because when he got there he just idled and he's quite green his first day at school and he's done it very well he's been, he was very professional but he was a little bit green in regard to he ran around a little bit and Colin Keane rode him that day because Lee Roach was suspended and Colin taught him plenty and when he got down off him after the race he said he's he, he thinks he's a very good horse and um, anything he does now will be a bonus because he's bred you know he's probably bred to be a mile and a quarter horse really yeah. as a three year old and he's by time test out of a Galileo mare so he's only going to get better with time Explain explain time test out of a Galileo mare for, for people who are like coming to this cold yeah. so what's time test? Well time test is a son of Dubawi who's been doing very good at stud in the last couple of years uh, he's quite a young stallion but he's he's caught the imagination of quite a few good judges and um, the fact that he's by Dubawi and his group one winner I think over a mile, mile or a mile and a quarter and being out of a Galileo, Galileo mare is, is quite you know nearly as good as you can get he's as good a broodmare sire as he is a stallion and um, it, it suggests that he's going to be better with time a lot of the progeny are and that he'll be better when he stepped up and tripped so, so he's a two year old this year yeah. and it's just won the maiden and is going off to Royal Ascot yeah and what distance was the maiden over? Seven furlongs. Okay. Aidan O'Brien had a very well fancied, well bred horse who suffered a lot of ill, Ill luck in running, but may not have won, to be fair. Yeah, and he's yeah. tipped up as their, the talk before the race was he's he's tipped up as their derby horse for next year. Right. Um, he's out of rhododendron. So, mm. so. By deep impact. <coughs> yeah. Let's, yeah. let's go back to the bit where um, where you're, you're buying this horse, right? Uh, it, it's all worked out perfectly so far. Is there any little bit of you that's like, ooh, we could have this derby horse next year? Or is that just not the business? Um, you, you get a little bit, you can get a little bit far ahead of yourself. I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop at thinking he could be a guinea's horse. Um, that's, that's far, you know, because I'm, I'm saying that because he's shown a lot of natural speed to win the way he did over seven furlongs at the Curra first time out because they went steady and he was slow away and he was last at one point and he's got good horses in front of him that from the three pole they're starting to quicken and when you have horses that have gone steady and they're quickening from three furlongs out and he's 
four or five lengths behind him he has to make up that ground while they're quickening in front of him and he did it quite well so over a short period yeah, yeah so it suggests he's a lot of natural speed and um, the fact that he's bred to maybe get a little bit further with time just suggests that that speed comes from class and he may be he may be a very nice horse next year and you're kind of beating fancy's horse as well yes yeah. you know whatever about this, the runner up the the horse in fourth the third that Joseph trains beating four lengths fair and square and the horse just behind that was a sixes shot so yeah your, your form is good yeah them. and the talk of Jesse's was that it was very fancied and Dunica's was second to Sir Alfred Munnings at Leperstown yeah he's favourite yeah, for the Cheshire he flopped now in fairness yeah he yeah. flopped but he's you know farmer's form and yeah. he's well beat and they're all behind him so. why was he 14 to 1 um, because of the talk of uh, all the other horses mm. coming up to the race confidence wanes a little bit mm. and um, you book Colin Keane and all yeah, well, Lee was suspended, so we'd mm. we'd 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 no other option but no other option but to put Colin Keane. Yeah, oh, no other no. option, but uh, well, so what was your expectation headed into the race? What like because you just did you say that you bought it six weeks before or eight weeks yeah. before roughly? So what what did you think was going to happen? Since we got him home, he's done nothing but please us. Right, we thought he was very good, and I had in my head, and you you don't generally tell your plans out loud. Um, but I had thought that if he was good enough to win that maiden, he was a Chesham horse. Right, so and straight had, away. Yeah. And and it was in your head that he could win that race. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then 48 hours leading up to the race, you see the horse of Aiden just declared and you start to hear whispers about some other horses in the race from big stables. And um, at that point then you say, look, we've, we've, you know, we've gambled enough. We let him take his chance. And if it happens, it happens. And, and uh, there's bigger days ahead. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and if, it, if it didn't happen, what was the plan? If it didn't happen, then you take him home, you let him get over it, and you find another seven furlong maiden. And, and, and natural, nat- natural progression suggests he should improve and, okay. and uh, run well the next Cheshire's a unique way as well because the, the sire or the dam have to have one at a distance of excess of nine and a half furlongs. So it's quite unusual. So it's like almost, bre- it's almost for horses that are sort of more stoutly bred, that are basically bred for middle distances, but are running over seven furlongs, Cheshire. Seven it? furlongs. Yeah. And it's, it's what it is, is it's the, it's the two-year-old race at Royal Ascot that's basically restricted to horses that may be next year's classic middle yeah. distance horses. So this is for elite. Yeah, but you can't like the speedier sires won't. You know, you have to have that that sire that is basically has won at a, at a longer distance. Okay. So it it does exclude a lot of horses that could run it. Okay, so it's it's a a, a training ground really for next year's. Yeah, but it's kind of protecting that old fashioned classically bred horse and, and encouraging people to continue yeah, to do exactly. that. You look at the like recent winners, for example, um, maybe Tayer, Churchill, September, Pinatubo, um battleground point Longsdale so it's a good race it's a good race yeah. mm. so are you tempted to keep it that's what I'm asking um, no no uh, but I would love to keep him uh, what's the reserve uh, I can't tell you that <laughs> we'll chat about it after um, it's a good, good good problem to have you're like even if he did happen to come home to you it's not the end of the world like yeah, yeah exactly not, yeah, that's, yeah. You know. but uh, whispers and kind of the last few days since he's ran uh, suggest that we mightn't have to bring him home. He's been, mm. you know, the phone has been hopping. Um, we've told everybody that he's going to the Goffs London sale. And that can be, a, you know, a, an owner trainer's problem after they have a smart horse win. The phone is hopping and you don't know what to do. And there's lads offering this and lads offering that. And at the end of the day, you want to get the best price for your horse. You want to get as much as you can. And um, it's so close to the London sale. The, the, 
the the obvious thing to do was to stick him in and, and uh, let them let them sort it out amongst themselves. Would this be the quickest return you've gotten on an investment? Was it like six um, weeks? No, Steel Bull probably was. Okay. Steel Bull, I bought him three to four weeks before he won his maiden at Nace. Mm. Um, still owned him when he ran in the Malcolm, won the Malcolm very impressively and sold him the next day. So that was probably five weeks before we had him sold. And he won nice the Malcolm plan works out. Yeah. What did you spot in Crypto Force that you liked when you were profiling the horse before you go to the sales? You're like, I'm honing in on this. Um, that's something probably quite unique to me for someone to buy so many horses at auction is I, when I go to a breeze up, I do not look at the catalogue before I get there. I do not look up anything before I get there. And the first thing I do is I go to the breeze and I watch every breeze and then I make a, a kind of a just a mark on the page of horses that I like the way they did it and, and so just to re- remind everybody because we, 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 we've been through this before the breeze is literally the horses go out and they run for a little bit like yeah. a, a couple of furlongs and yeah. you can stand and watch them yeah so the breeze up consigners the people that sell these horses they do a very good job they're very professional and they're essentially racehorse trainers to a degree without having a licence to train them on the track so they have a very good pre-training they're very, they have a very good foundation in, and, and um, they're probably in training since last November uh, December time and they're they're trained for the day and what they do is they breeze two furlongs at, at race speed uh, either on the Rowley Mile in Newmarket or Doncaster Racecourse or there's also a sale in Ferry House as well Tattersall's Ireland and uh, they breeze for two furlongs and they're timed uh, by laser times um, but the time at the end of the day is part it's all a jigsaw when you go to buy a breeze up you, you know they have to have good action breeze well when they go by they can't make a, a, a noise so when they're breeding in or out you can't hear a whistle or a gurgle they need to be clear winded and uh, you need to see them putting their head down and, and trying and gallop out well are you are you in the stands watching this or are you actually down track side down, down track side right. you're about, about 25 yards from the edge of the track Okay. and there's a big screen as well so you watch them on the big screen um, but then when they come closer from about a furlong down your, your eyes are peeled to them and you know you know pretty much straight away if this horse is breezing well because you're seeing 200 horses go by um, and when the good ones come by you, you, you can you tell spot them straight away and you make note of the horses that you like and then I go and see them horses even before I see times and then I'll have a list of the horses that I that I liked the way they breezed and then I will go down and see them physically and then I'll, I'll shorten that down again and then I'll just look at the times in the evening when I get back to the hotel or something and then you know there's some horses that surprise you some horses crop up on the list that you thought had a lovely big action but maybe slow and they, they breeze quite quickly and that suggests that you know they're, they're decent enough because so they're, they're the ones you're stride. like ooh yeah. yeah and then there's horses that you know that you thought were quick and you look at the time they were slow and because you thought that you might have just you know you might have lost a bit of concentration you're chatting to someone and you look up and you say geez he's breathing well I'll look at him and then you kind of maybe so the time is only part of the, the jigsaw of the what sort of price are you expecting him to make then like when you're thinking he could be in my when I saw him when I saw his breeze and then I went down the yard to see him and kind of took everything else into consideration I thought he was the best horse in the sale and I thought if I I was going to try my damnedest to buy him and how could you have gone to do you think uh, to become the uh, the underbidder <coughs> the underbidder would probably be kicking themselves now when I say it was my last bid it was finished it genuinely was yeah yeah and were you I valued him at 150 and I wouldn't lose him for a bid what's that feeling like where you you really want something but uh, god no I can't go anymore have you been on the other side of that yeah quite a lot all the time Um, you know there's so many horses going to the ring you have to you have to value them before you go in like I'd go in and buy horses for 30 grand 
and if they make 35 or 40 I let them off but you have to value them all individually mm. you know they all have different profiles and have different jobs and um, so yeah you, you kind of you, you have to have in the back of your head that there's there's a lot of horses for sale and there's never going to be a shortage of horses for sale and um, but at the end of the day if you have a re- if you have a nice horse that you really really like and you're back in your judgment just go and buy him within 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 reason yeah so to go back to that there's 200 horses and you're taking off the ones you like what's the how how big does that list get is it 20 of that 200 you like and then that night you go and see and then you get down to 10 who you're interested in is it those kind of numbers or is it bigger or smaller yeah well after the breeze the standard is quite good um, because these guys that are selling them they're buying a nice type of horse at the yearling sale they know their job Um, but say if there's 200 horses breezing I would generally have maybe 50 to go and see. Right, okay. Yeah, so the standard is quite high. And, and what do you do when you go and see the horse? Like, what yeah, what are you looking for? Uh, you're just looking at them physically. So you've a, everybody's different. Everybody has things they like and they don't like. And I just like to see a horse. Uh, first impressions is everything, same as anything. And when a horse pulls out, you initially said to yourself, it's a nice horse. And then he stands up square on from their side. And you like to see them well balanced and have a good attitude you don't want them seeing pricking, sticking their ears back or swishing their tail or showing a bad sort of attitude there are little things that you wouldn't necessarily be looking for but when they when they highlight it to you you'd make note of it and if you balanced and, and even go about their job down the, down the yard walk well um, good attitude a lot of people when they first get into buying horses they spend a lot of time standing in front of them looking at confirmation and like part of my thing is front legs are only for steering now within reason again you need to be able to keep them sound and be able to train them and you need to be able to sell them on down the road but from the side they have to have a good hip they have to have great power because all the power comes from behind and they can't be too tubular so from their wither to their girt they need a bit of depth so that's where the, the lung room and heart and lung room is and you want a bit of length which suggests a bit of scope and uh, and action and you know after after a while once you've seen so many horses you just look at them and say, it's a nice horse and do you, you, just, you look you at their head at all? yeah big thing is their head their eye whip between their eyes and people and people used to laugh at Henry Sesson when he said he loves a big ear but I've never trained a good horse with a small ear right yeah. it's like Vince O'Brien Brian was that was the first thing he would look at is the head like yeah. he'd study that intently like I find that fascinating like because it'll never be an exact science yeah um, and I think Michael's explained probably better than anyone has in the show in terms of all of that those attributes like just to make an athlete yeah well, well an athlete will also not plateau as a two year old well, ideally there's, there's clearly signs in the size of the the, uh, the size of the lungs and all that, that and the power yeah. that's very important when it comes to mechanics and actually yeah. winning races or you know yeah as you said it's kind of a biomechanics thing you're looking at the athlete and the physical and where the power comes from and where leverage comes from but then you're, you're trying to look into their head then by looking looking at what you can see externally and that's their attitude and their eye you know this, there's an old saying never trust a man whose eyes are too close together or you know that sort of thing but those sayings are, were, were made for a reason and you see a horse with a big honest eye that's always looking forward looking out it's a good place to start so you you're obviously a trainer um, but this is the part of the business that allows you to be a trainer is it is it they have to work in symbiosis because if you got if you got crypto force and then trained it badly and it didn't win the race then you know it's all kind of not great but um are you equally invested i mean you have to be equally invested in the business side of it as the training side of it but how do you make sure that your training skills are matching your eye like what how do you become a better trainer over time as well um i don't know uh i i taught myself to train 
Um, I remember I was on the show before, I was telling you my background and stuff, but I was never really an assistant to anyone. And I started in the Breeze Up game. I was started, I rented a farm when I was 20, and then I started to buy and sell a few horses and started to I, I work as a consigner and buy yearlings to sell them as two-year-olds at the Breeze Up. And that probably gave me a little bit more understanding of it from that side of things. That bit is the bit that, like, uh, getting good at that, did you have loads of losses at the start where you bought the wrong horse and they, they didn't progress? Yeah, you learn from your mistakes. and It's, the, it's the, probably the quickest way to learn and the best way to learn. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a very good grounding and you, you have to learn from your mistakes and you shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes, but you need to improve on them again as time goes on. It's um it's quite a ballsy move for a twenty year old to get into buying and selling horses when like we have the biggest buying and selling operation of horses in the world in Coolmore like to go yeah I I see like Manchester United or Real Madrid and I'm going to start up on my own so what was it that you gave you the confidence that this is the industry that I want to do and also I'm going to have something here like my ability to take the jigsaw and piece it all together I'm going to learn to get so good at that that I'm going to make a success of this. It's an industry that I probably fell in love with from from kind of when I first got involved in it at kind of 14, 15 years of age. And from that point on, I always knew I wanted to to make a career out of it somehow. I uh, didn't know exactly where, which direction I was going to go. But it's one of those games, even if you're a punter or if you're buying and selling horses or a breeder, it, it's for want of a better word, it's a drug really. And you become addicted to it. And um, you have to, you have to be able to make it work and make it pay and um, to do that you have to learn and keep improving and probably starting out at such a young age taking such a, a big leap youthful enthusiasm a um, little bit of naivety and a little uh, bit always to be uh, to be welcomed you, yeah you know yeah and it's probably no harm and um, so yeah that kind of just pushed me forward into it and then you, you're always wanting to improve and it just led in that direction to, to go training and actually to go training was more of a commercial decision as well so I could because remember my last year of selling Breeze Up horses I sold four or five colts onto the new owners at the Breeze Up and they all won their maidens first time out and I was saying to myself if I retained them and trained them and won their maidens with them I'd have probably made two to three times more than I did right. with the sales okay. and that kind of spurred me forward to think right maybe start training commercially because Ger Lyons was probably the only man doing it at the time he was buying yearlings to get in the track get farm into them and sell them to the likes of Hong Kong and these markets and that's kind of the model I took this is this. It's funny when they changed. It was now or never, wasn't it? Right. So I'm just they changed now the name to yeah. now or later. Did when you went to like, Australia, yeah. So the the horse, like, and just in terms of how did you get now or never? Because I'm um, obviously the one thing I do remember about her. She was by Bush Ranger, who was horribly unpopular at the time. Yeah. So how did that happen then? And that's like, did did you actually did you buy her or did yeah. you just land with no, her? I bought her despite yeah. the fact she's by Bush Ranger. Yeah. It's when I was kind of I taught myself to train through reading books and stuff and and making mistakes and but then and I was trying to figure out what made kind of other trainers successful and the common denominator was they always got their hands on good horses um, and for one example would have been Richard Hannon and Peter Doyle, Peter and Ross Doyle by all their horses and the common denominator I figured out between a lot of their success was the first and foremost thing that they looked for was the physical before mm. any pedigree mm. and that means you you know you can't train a piece of paper and if you try and match a physical with a pedigree you, you're going to have to spend a lot of money to buy that horse and then when I started to buy horses I was looking for a physical first and the breeze ups it gives you a lot more information you can you see a physical but you all get to see you also get to see them gallop and 
you can you you can pick out the ones that maybe are going to outrun that unfashionable sire tag that they have on them and she was one of them she had a very good pedigree female side she was a beautiful physical but she was by bus ranger at the time who was the case of death it's a lot like John McConnell when he was on about hot streak and um, the, 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 the sprinter whose name I forget now um, case of you case of you and we've had like obviously Ado we've followed that horse progress I think we had um, somebody else on connected horse as well but that that sire is like he's he was so unpopular. But he was, I think he was paying a grand. You were probably paying more. The grand was like I like the horse. I just like yeah. this horse. I like the look of the horse. Yeah. And you she, have to sometimes you just have to forgive something. She look at the Hannans and Canfor Cliffs mm, and Dick mm. Turpin and Paco Boy. Paco Boy, all yeah. them horses. Group one horses by Tagula. Dick Turpin by I don't know I don't know what it's like fashion isn't it in that like um, it's like stocks if everyone says the stock is poison um, just the fellow who's back who's actually buying the stock not shorting it is probably the lad who gets the value because if if everyone says it I mean a horse that could be 50 grand is now 15 because the sire is so unpopular fashion yeah and so when you started to win then did that sire come back into fashion did he not really he ended up in like Turkey or something did he or I don't know where he went. Yeah, ended up. he was like he was a popular stallion at start, but most stallions are failures basically, and he was a failure. Like, yeah, and that's but she wasn't. She went on and she she won her maiden in Galway. She was second in the Futurity the same weekend as the debutant. We ran her against the Colts. She was second to Harold Dawn. She came out in the spring, won the Guineas trial. She was third in the Irish One Thousand Guineas. She was fourth in the Carnation Stakes at Royal Ascot. At that point, Qatar Racing had had bought her. Um, and then later that year they moved her to Australia where she was renamed an hour later because they already had an hour never in Australia right. she was renamed an hour later and she won a group two down there and she was probably the best she was the best the best horse that stallion ever produced right did she breed um, I don't I, mm. t- t- she is gone to stud but I, I, I don't know of anything that she's bred to mm. this point so uh, what's the difference in adrenaline between uh buying a horse that you think is the best horse of the breeze ups and you're right there and it goes to just beyond you versus uh, Crypto Force coming from the back of the field to win are they the exact same experience are they like what's the how do you compare and contrast these two things slightly different yeah there is there is a bit of adrenaline involved when you're when you're buying horses but you can't let it overrule you so you're trying to control it um, are you getting you get better it, at that you're, you're just pleased are you getting better at controlling yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, you always had to be good at it because when you were starting out and you didn't have any money to buy and spend on horses, fair enough. You had to get used to. So you're well trained. Yeah, getting knocked back. But I would uh, like to see a heart rate monitor on you though, just as the uh, as yeah, the bidding goes up and up. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're bidding on expensive ones, it does, it does, uh, it does. You do feel it, but um, yeah, it's a different feeling when a, when a horse wins. Um, it's more a relief than anything when you're a trainer because there's so much invested. Um, how does the market work now? Because like British racing obviously is economically not viable at all in terms of ownership. Irish racing itself, I mean, prize money is good, but it's not like Hong Kong or whatever. So how do, what drives the market in terms of the value of the horse that you were buying who's just breezed? Because he's, he's not paying his way by winning a maiden. So what are people thinking? Like, are they selling the stairs to sort of Australia? Are they, is it a Hong Kong market? Is it, is it a Saudi market? What's driving the actual price of a horse now? It's an international market, really. Um, it's it's a market for good horses. Um, doesn't matter where the where the buyer comes from, but there's always a want for good horses. Or what distance, ideally, like? 
any like before Royal Ascot any of them fast two year olds for Royal Ascot later in the year you're looking at them six seven furlong milers um, they're wanted for, for you know for, for the bigger owners in England and Ireland would, would still be into buying them horses to stay here to compete at the highest level but yeah. what drives the value of them horses is possibly the you know Hong Kong and, and Australia and, and America to a certain degree as well and um, yeah so um We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, Epsom this weekend as well and maybe a bit more uh, about what happens with um, this because it's just a really interesting we we always end up kind of getting very fascinated with this because it's such a, a it, it's it's like probably the most important part of the industry and yet the racing at the end is the thing that keeps these yeah. sales yeah. important yeah. it's like so there's this massive interconnectedness between the two things yeah. and at any stage of the the operation a million different things can go wrong like that's the other side of this is you were telling us a story the last time you were in tipping a horse and the horse got injured and like getting out of the um, out of the truck yeah yeah. you're dealing with live animals at the end of the day and as you said anything can go wrong things that have never gone wrong before can go wrong so it's par for the course it's the game we're in and it's probably what makes it so interesting and Johnny was asking kind of what drives the, the market for these horses and what drives it at the lower level is just people's love for racing and they want to go racing they want to have runners they want to have a winner it mightn't be economically viable at certain times but then there's you know if you come across a nice enough horse that someone can lay out a lay out a target for and, and a trainer can pick a race quite valuable which you can find quite a lot of in Ireland there's quite some very good prize money as well and um you know that drives it to a certain degree and then now you have this IRE incentive bonus which Horse Racing Ireland or ITM brought in last year where if you win one of these maidens for an Irish bred horse you get a 10 grand voucher to spend at the sales the following year on, a, on an Irish bred horse and it's putting money back into the game and it's giving people a reason to buy horses at a lower level and to, and to continue racing in Ireland and to keep it all going Richard O'Brien has a theory um, if, if O'Callaghan is dressed like a young fella going to a stag then he's happy with a good run for his horse if he looks like he's heading to a wedding in Monaco then have what you like on whatever he runs so in Twilight Jet Ren you're impeccably well dressed with really nice shades nice tin of fruit <laughs> and obviously you're expecting something like that ah yeah sure it's hopeful uh, so it's, it's based on what the trainer is wearing that's how it's not if the trainer is there this is good like, information that we don't get anywhere else I, I haven't been racing as much um, uh, and I went racing in Punchdown an industry day there lately and um, it's funny like I, I thought the owners and trainers were really well looked after the food was lovely and it was nice because a lot of the time you, you're giving out but um John Breslin was there and it was like John Breslin is here Tony Martin John Breslin is there and John Breslin backed his horse and John Breslin's horse won and it was like it was like the old days the owner is there but Michael Callan's what he's actually wearing that matters uh, <laughs> obviously there you go alright he's allowed to clutch on to anything exactly I was going to say so much data information that we, we end up talking about clothes right we're going to take a quick break this is Friday Night Racing it's brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland stay tuned plenty more uh, to talk about uh, with Michael Back after Friday this. Night Racing on Off The Ball and they're off. brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland love every racing moment visit hri.ie Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie Right, you're very welcome back to Friday Night Racing. A reminder, in Tote News, Whirlpool will be in operation for the Epsom Derby meeting, which means that over 20 countries will be betting to ensure in massively enhanced tote betting pools for the weekend. Irish customers can participate in the Whirlpool by placing their bets online at tote.ie or with tote at any race course this weekend. For more on Whirlpool, check out tote.ie. I guess this week is Michael Callaghan. Um, do you want to pick the, 
the mind of somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to this stuff, Johnny? Is that in uh, terms of what the racing this weekend? The racing this weekend. Um, do you have a runner actually for a start? No, no. Quite how many weekend. runners? How many horses have you at the moment? Uh, forty-five. Okay. Why have you no runner this weekend? It's quite enough. Let's stroll. Let's stroll, yeah. Yeah. And obviously have no. You are one. a carry man. I'm a carry man. Yeah. 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 Um, so what will I ask Michael then? Um, I mean, there's big races this weekend. Yeah, well, actually, yes. Yeah. So what do you like in the Oaks? The Oaks is going to... You may be listening to this after the Oaks has taken place, but yeah. what has won the Oaks in your mind? You? Well, we've, we're half three now. We've an hour to go. I think Emily Upjohn, it's hard to see by. Um, she's only two starts going to Epsom. I don't know, but I think she's class act in the race. Um, if you were looking for a bit of value, I think Tranquil Lady adjusts her I backed her. Chance. Yeah, I backed her at 16, four places. Yeah. Yeah. And JD backed her on my advice this morning. Just I actually love the makeup of the Oaks in the Derby because um, it's, not an, it's not a Coolmore domination at all. It's not a Galileo domination. It's like Caesar Stars, Frankel, she's by uh, Australia. And then tomorrow, Nathaniel is the, sorry, the Derby favourite. And it's, it's from Michael South. Like, we think it could be 76 or 7. Hasn't had a good horse in a long time. Um, Aidan O'Brien hasn't won a classic yet at all this year. Um, it, 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 so it's like, I don't know, it's more of a level playing field as it is. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with him. I back that horse each way. Okay. Mm, I, she's, I just really like her profile. And interestingly enough, her half brother um, is the best horse the Star Spangled Banner has produced, certainly in Ireland or Britain, and yet stays mile and two, which would be unusual for a Star Spangled Banner. Um, so it actually ran the other day, ran in the Tarasol's Gold Cup. Um, and so this horse is a certainty to stay a mile and a half and further really by Australia you'd imagine I, I just like her profile and the way she won the last yeah. two at, at, at Nays, like, yeah. this is Tranquil Lady you're talking about is it yeah like um, and in fairness to like without the favourite yeah yeah the, fa- the favourite looks very good Emily Upjohn's the favourite yeah. right so you all expect Emily Upjohn to win uh, good chance yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a mad track like things can go wrong like it's not it's it's really weird that the, the Derby and the Oaks are, these prestigious races are running at a track that what would be the Irish equivalent to it is there even one I don't know like down Patrick the other way it's a mad track it's a mad mad track class it as a roller coaster and where did where did Tranquility win Nace yeah she won Nace the last day quite undulating but mm. the one thing the one thing that would be maybe an Achilles heel to Emily Upjohn is she's only had two starts. Mm. She's quite inexperienced. Mm. Ran the Musador the last time in a quite a conventional track. So um, she seems she's going to be hard to beat. She seems very very talented. She won by five and a half lengths the Musador. Um, seems the class act, but of the Irish, I think Joseph has a big East Ray chance. Obviously, if we had him on last week rather than this week, we could have asked him. I'll oh, give us a horse to follow, and he'd say, "Oh, I have a two-year-old running." 14 to 1, two year old, by the way, 14 to 1 first time out. So, what is your um, crypto force in? Of Sorry, can I just point out that since Johnny tipped Tranquil Lady this morning, the price has begun to drift. So you yeah, know, it, it actually has, it has, has gone in. out in the bed, yeah. 14 to 1. You must have back crypto force, did you? It, um, <laughs> I wish you I had, 14 yeah. to 1. I, 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 was, it, I was looking at the race, Deep Impact out of Road at Ender, and you're like, this is, I love Deep Impact, and you're like, this horse will probably win. Um, but you're still getting 14 to 1 each way in a horse you think a lot of. So yeah. I don't mind, like, if you're getting 14 to 1 about a horse, I don't care what's in the race. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So what's yeah. the next one? That's the next one. Do you want, do you want to know what the next 14 to 1 shot is? We give, us an, give us the next winner from the O'Callaghan Baron. Hopefully it's not the next winner. Hopefully there'll be a few more be, 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 between now and then because he's on the Friday or I'll ask it. Is Twilight Jet in the Commonwealth Cup. Okay. Um, this is not looking at it through rose tinted glasses. It's um, the more, you know, I'm studying it inside out. And uh, he's now the highest rated three-year-old sprinter in Ireland. Um, if anybody, you know, if any more well-known trainer was training him 
he wouldn't be 14 to 1. Is he 14? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe 12s or 14s and around that. He's Chaperone. 5 or 6 to field that race, is it? I don't know that. Yeah, I, I did actually look up the betting the other day. There's just other horses in the race. The Sandy Lane, I don't think the winner's going to come out of that. El Caballo, Carl Burks, is second favourite. Perfect power. He's dropping back from a hard race and over a mile. Mm. You know, when you stretch a sprinter out to a mile on fast ground, you need everything to go right to, for him to bounce back next time. He's the favourite. El Caballo's second favourite. Um, New York City, who Twilight Jet kind of beat by three lengths very easily at Nace, first to mountain, his first start this season. Mm. Um, he would have been one of the shorter in the betting before Twilight Jet beat him. Um, and the horse has gone from strength to strength since the run. He was very talented as a two-year-old. He was a lovely big horse and he's got better at three. And I knew going into the race at Nace he was going to improve from the day. And for him to do what he did the way he did it suggests he's very, very good. And if you look at the middle park last year, um, he had them all. He put them all to mm. the sword. He was the winner a furlong down. He got collared with 100 yards to go. And if he just had the same strength that he has this year to see out that six furlongs, he's beat the favourite. He's beat the others, um, hypothetically speaking. Um, so lovely at, 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 at 14 to 1 I think he's, he's my biggest chance of the week at Rylask just last question for you then on, on the, the, the classics Aidan O'Brien has is running two horses in the Oaks today who ran in the Guineas in the Irish Guineas um, which was what like three weeks ago yeah, at the most yeah so as much as like they're kind of bred for a mile and a half what do you do with horses that you've run in a classic over a mile to run a mile and a half three weeks later I, I, that always fascinates me and he's done it with Minding who's her sister at Tuesday yeah well the thing is with racehorses you don't necessarily work them over their race distance mm. and you know if they didn't run in the Irish Guineas and they were going to the Oaks they might have had one piece over a mile and a quarter and a lot of their work might have been over seven or a mile or even six sharpened them up I don't think there's a whole lot you do bar freshen them up the fact that they've run the guineas over a mile is going to leave them straight and you bring them home and you freshen them up and you do a few bits in between to make sure they're okay and when and you say freshen them up do you mean like taper the work down you just might back off a little bit after the guineas let them freshen up and then build them back up towards it again and how do you uh, measure like when do you know when to go and when not to go i don't really there's no real answer it's a gut feel all horses are different some of them will be flatter for a bit longer some of them will be bouncing and that's the bit where you you've looked at them from the second you bought them or the second they've arrived constantly looking for those signs yeah, you get to know them. Yeah, yeah. They either they either grub up well, or some of them, you know, some of them will still, some of them be so genuine they could be wrecked and they'd still grub up well. And but you just start to you, you get to know them. They're all different. But that's um, is Twilight Jet one of yours or is yeah, it? Yeah, he's mine. Yeah, he okay. won the the Lacking Stakes at Nace Group Three. And did you keep him to be a three year old because you kind of felt like he wasn't ready to go yet? He hadn't hit enough. No, we had actually um, campaigned him quite aggressively last year, and he was he was. Uh, only beaten a couple of links in the Norfolk at Royal Ascot. He won his maiden in Tipperary the week before. Um, then he was third in a gym crack. He was third in a champagne stakes. Uh, he nearly won the middle park. And then he won the Cornwallis at the end of the year. And at that point, we hadn't sold him up to that point. Um, we would have sold him if the right money came along. Um, but we thought, I thought he was very, very good. And I wanted plenty of money for him. And um, when he won the Cornwallis... Um, quite a character of an American owner approached us who used to own Big Brown that won the Kentucky Derby a guy called Michael Ivorone 
and um, he proposed to buy 50% of the horse to run in the Breeders' Cup in his colours right. and then come back to me as a three-year-old but continue to run his colours. So we still own 50% of him. We sold 50% of Michael Iver own. And the idea behind retaining 50% of him is that I think he, he, he has a big chance of winning the Group 1 at some point. Uh, he's a very, very Stallion. good look. Hmm? Future Australian? Potentially, yeah. So um, there's still an upside to him and... He's he's very very good. So. And have you done that before, or was that the first time that ownership model had come into your? Ah, oh, this is an option. This is something different. Yeah, but we're open to anything. Right. Um. So, you know, it's a, there's no set way. There's no. Because no if you crack it, having stallions. Yeah. That's the dream, right? Yeah. Sure. It's it has to work commercially, and no matter what way you make it work, or work commercially. If it if it works commercially, it's right. Yeah. Okay. What about the derby? Uh, the Derby, as I said again, is interesting that um, both the Derby and the Oaks are dominated by um, British trained horses. Um, Aidan O'Brien has kind of, his best horse for the Derby is Luxembourg, was injured. He ran the Guineas, he ran a lovely trial. Um, I thought he would have taken a bit of beating. Another horse would have been stepping up to a mile and a half from a mile, but um, obviously it doesn't. It's it's in, in memory of Lester Piggott in the in the race title. I think Lester passed away since we were our last show, actually. Um, I think it should be mentioned, like, Listowel has a, a race meeting tomorrow where Pat Smullen is honoured in one race, John Thomas McNamara in another, and I think that contextualises the death of Lester Piggott. It should be celebrated, the life he had. He had a good life, he had a full life. Late, he died well into his uh, later years, and um, what a what a horseman. But anyway, he'd he'd probably ride Desert Crown if he had the chance. Again, like Michael said about the favourite today in the Oaks, he just lacks experience. Like, he's, he's, he's had a couple of runs... Um, on the flip side, you could say, well, that that means he's open to maybe more progress. But Aidan O'Brien has, like, I, I, I can't tell these Galileos much apart. Maybe Stone Age is the best of them, but I thought changing of the guard is very good at Chester. Neither of them won as a two-year-old, so maybe there's more improvement there. Nation's Pride is obviously interesting as well. Um, Piz Badil for Dunica um, by Ulysses would be by far the best horse I think Ulysses has sired so far. Um, and it's funny the strength of uh, provincial maidens. I got a tip for Pisbadil first time out, and I got a tip for Buckaroo when they were in the same race. Back Buckaroo, who blew the blew the break badly and ended up finishing third, but Pisbadil won it. And one of them is like you know was was well fancied in the Irish Guineas. Uh, it's the story week. of your betting life, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's the it's, story of Irish racing. Yeah, it's, it's also story. So I think like jo- Joseph's horses first time out. Generally, I wouldn't just especially if they're bred for three year olds. Just don't back them. They're not ready. But like Pisbadil was by Eula was a totally unproven stallion at the time but he was well fancied um, I'm not sure he'd be good enough to win this but he it adds to the luster of the race and um, Aidan only has a sporting chance in a Stone Age ridden by Ryan Moore um, and Changing of the Guard be ridden by Wayne Lorden so a big day for him Star of India comes into as well ridden by Shami Heffernan it, it, it's one of these races where you wouldn't be amazed if a kind of a horse big price went out in front and hung on for a place but fascinating race for some Michael South to be back among the big time yeah. He hasn't had a good horse in a long time. Do you agree with all that? Yeah. Um, Michael Stout's horse looks the class horse in the race with what he's done. Uh, again, as Johnny said, he's inexperienced, which is can be a negative going to Epsom. Uh, Aidens is... Look, he was visually very, very impressive when he won the Derns, or what was the Derns, in the Derby trade at Leperstown. Um, but, but what did he beat is the question. Um, the horse that was second, five and a half or six lengths behind him, is 151 for the Derby. Uh, Andy Oliver's horse now that's taking nothing away from Andy's horse if he was trained by a more well known trainer he might be a shorter price um, he has quite a good profile as well but um, so Michael Stout's horse is probably the class horse 
Aiden's Stone Age is probably the best of Aiden's, but as Johnny said, there's nothing between them. I think it's a much more open race maybe than the than the Oaks. It's interest Welger that Galileo has passed away and like that is a ma- it's like a it's almost like a dictator dying and leaving the country to be run by someone else because his his influence was that big that it's just opened the door for probably Frankel to be the the heir apparent. But it like Aiden is winning Aiden's strike grade with two year olds a season is unreal because none of them are by Galileo basically. He's winning with with maybe Galileo bred mares but by flashier stallions, more precocious horses. And you can already sense that kind of changing of the guards to borrow the pun, um as Frankel and other stallions come to the fore. And then next year I think the the Wooten Bassett horses, if not the year after come along in Ballied Oil that they've they have. So all that is changing. Okay. Um the Lester Pickett mention comes up there. Those those uh, mercurial flat jockeys. You worked with Kieran Fallon a good bit towards the end of his career. What was Fallon like? Fallon was himself. He was unique. Um, uh, How did that come about? Did you just ring him up and say, "Here, listen, yeah. have a lot of good horses. Come on." Yeah, yeah. You're like half his age at the time or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was with us for four or five months. He was great to be around. Great to great to learn off. Great to just watch. Uh, first and foremost possibly the same as Lester Piggott he was a brilliant horseman he was very very quiet around horses he was very empathetic to them uh, and he got inside their heads he would the way I would describe it he would try and think as horses thought um, to understand them and um, you know it's in, in one sense it's probably you know people say why, is, why was he such a genius it's probably quite simple he was just you know he was he, he understood the horse and um, he also had a he had a, a good racing brain. He was brilliant tactically, and um, we, so anytime you would hear him speak, none of that came across. And it was the same with, with Leicester for for more obvious reasons. Um, in in the build up to a race or in the aftermath of a race, when you're talking to him, does he explain that, or is it just something you can see where he makes a move when it doesn't look obvious, or he goes out in front in a race where it doesn't look obvious, and it's not quite what the instructions were? How, mm. how do you know? Like how does how does that show itself? I suppose. I think with a lot of jockeys of that caliber, you, you wouldn't set them down to any instructions before a race. You might chat about the race, what you thought they were going, what they thought they might do, and um, but when when the race is on, you just let them at it, and you like Pat Smullen was another one and, and, and uh, there's plenty of you know a handful of others actually but some of the best jockeys in the world what sets them all kind of within the same bracket is they, they make so few mistakes um, it mightn't be what they do right all the time but it's how how how, how rarely they make mistakes and um, I think that's you know that's just something that they all have innately and Fallon um, was a genius like you could you, if, if, in terms of understanding a horse you can tell there's something a bit different about him the way he handles him the way was it footsteps in the sand like was so hard to handle at home and yeah. Fallon just like, that's a beautiful thing in terms of trying to understand why we're on this world when you see a relationship between a human and an animal that is just you can't breed or whatever it's just it's there and we don't, most people don't have it yeah yeah it's just it's 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 very rare but you, it's it's a lot more common amongst the best mm. horsemen you'd, you'd see it in them um, and Leicester had it as well very same yeah uh, is there a legacy of working with Fallon does it drive standards does it change things or does it actually just reaffirm to you that the empathy you have and the work that you've done to be as familiar with the physicality and uh, the stuff that we talked about earlier is the right way is it like what is the legacy of that period where you spend time in somebody's company who is as good uh, elite like the elite of the elite we're talking about here yeah, um, I've never thought about it actually, to be honest. Um, but it was it was an enjoyable time in my career. It was something where I I, I learned a lot from him, 
and it's nice to look back on the time we had and we spoke about now and ever earlier he won the Guinness trial on her and he was um, third in the Guinness on her and you know, she was the flagship for us when he was with us and um, it's nice to, to now even I'd speak to him the odd time and, and uh, How's he doing? Yeah, he's doing good. He's he's doing a bit of TV work and uh, he's 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 doing well. And um, so yeah, it was just a nice time. And it was for me uh, at such an early point in my career, it, it kind of gave me a little bit of confidence, you know, knowing that he saw something, even though you know it didn't it d- didn't go on for that long. But he saw something to come to us in the first place, and uh, we got on well. And you know, it's, it was good. Michael asked me just before we came in if I'm involved in a horse, and it's I've I've one kind of leg of a slow horse, but I called. Uh, one horse that we had with Willie Mullins, like well-bred, turned out of course to be absolutely no good, but called the horse Dancer from the Dance, which fits exa- just fits into the 18 character limit for a horse. Dancer from the Dance is that famous um, line in the Yeats poem where he can't tell the artist from the art. And there are some jockeys on a horse, you're just like, it's, it, they're, they're just in motion, like Paul Carby on a horse jumping the fence. It's almost like you can't tell the jockey from the horse anymore. And Fallon was like that, in my view anyway, and so was Lester. All right, that's a fitting point to end this week. Our guest this week has been Michael Callum. We wish you the very best of luck. Uh, when is the horse for sale? Monday week? Monday week, yeah. Right, well, I hope the um, the heart rate is low and, and slow for the so rest of the evening. Out and what, you get what, what he's going to settle for here now. Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. We'll see you at the same time next week. Take care. Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie.